Hey guys, welcome to episode number 57 of the Mimi B Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Mimi Bouchard, and you're listening to the Mimi B Magazine podcast, a lifestyle podcast all on health, relationships, sex, career, and self-development. This podcast is designed to entertain, inspire, and to motivate you to become the best version of yourself possible. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey guys, today I have Vanessa Fitzgerald on the show. She's a holistic health coach based in California. Hi, how are you doing? Good, thanks for having me on today. I'm so excited to have this conversation. You have the best Instagram ever to follow if, if you're into health. And oh, I really you. love I love watching your stories. They're all so informative and really engaging. Um, should we maybe start by just talking about your story and how you got to where you are today and like just your whole health journey? Sure. Um, so it started when I was a kid. I wasn't the healthiest child. I was raised by a single working mother. So it was just more about putting food on the table and a roof over my head. So anything out of convenience, I would eat a lot of fast food, packaged food, frozen food, things like that. So my my immune system naturally started to crash. And at age 13, I started to develop crazy acne, depression, anxiety, insomnia, all those fun little side effects after being on rounds of antibiotics, every time I would get a sinus infection, you name it. So I knew there had to be another way. And I would just almost call it like a divine intervention where I decided to seek out alternative methods. So I wanted to see a nutritionist and started to change my eating habits and a lot of things started to clear up. So the journey really began then, but I was still on a full cocktail of pharmaceutical drugs. And I had moved to New York for college and then uh, started modeling and my health declined again because of course, like while you're living in a, the city that never sleeps, neither do you. So, um, I wasn't taking care of my body and I decided to go to school for nutrition and I went to IIN for holistic health coaching. And then I decided I really wanted to help heal people the way that I had found healing in myself. And there was one modality that really helped heal me and it's called nutrition response testing. So I went to school for that. And now that is what I practice. So I have half, half phone clients, which are all my holistic health coaching clients. And then I have my in-person nutrition response testing, uh, patients and I basically focus on helping bring the body back into balance. So whether it's a hormonal imbalance or it's a a brain chemistry imbalance. So I deal with things like detoxing off of certain medications and helping, especially things like birth control. And then one drug in particular, Adderall, because I grappled with it for 13 years and then decided to go off earlier this year. And I think that's what really uh, put me on the map was because I shared my journey publicly as I knew if I was struggling with it, there had to be one other person out there that would feel the same and would be able to relate. And I had no idea, but I had 800 DMs after the first video and it sort of went crazy from there. So I developed a whole Adderall detox program and I have about 10 people now under my belt who have successfully detoxed off and more to come. 
Wow, that is amazing. It's crazy how common it is for Adderall to be used and especially even not prescribed. I know you were prescribed, right? Yes, I was prescribed. So it's really hard to generate some sort of accurate statistic regarding how many people are on Adderall because it is also a street drug. Like people use their friends' prescriptions or they'll buy it off of a dealer, that type of thing. Yeah. So I remember being in high school and it was all the rage. Um, I grew up in Toronto and I don't think it's that as common in the UK. I'm sure a lot of people would do it, but um, in Toronto, it was massive. And I remember taking it before exams and like, you know, I would actually take it like before going out sometimes too, because it would just make me, you know, it would perk me up and it'd be better than a coffee. And I, I was never like fully addicted. I don't think I never really got to that that point just because I didn't have a prescription. It was like expensive. It was like $20 or something per pill. Um, and I was like 15 years old, but, um, yeah, it's crazy looking back. I'm like, I didn't think it was that big of a deal because it's like people got prescribed to it. So I didn't think it, it could have been that bad for my body, but you know, obviously it's like, you know, it's basically comparable to like Coke or crack or something, you know, it's a drug. Yeah, it's one ingredient away from meth, and a neurologist just proved how similar it is to meth. So basically, we're just fancy meth heads walking around, all because wow. we hold a prescription that doctors are like, this is safe. Like, a doctor gave it to me, so it must be okay. Meanwhile, doctors are some of the biggest drug dealers there are in the world. I mean, they're yeah. kind of like pot dealers back in the day, but what about the people dealing out things like Valium, Xanax, uh, opiates? like heroin. I mean, basically, uh, things like Vicodin and whatnot, there's, they're all sort of like an opioid that's similar to heroin. So all these pharmaceutical drugs are not too far off from the street drugs. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. So that's crazy. Has it been really tough for you? Like, have you been getting cravings at all? Obviously you stopped taking it this year, but what was it like your journey? So it's a drug withdrawal. It's not a detox and it's a roller coaster ride. So with drug, drug withdrawals aren't linear, meaning it's not like the further away you get from the drug, the better you're going to feel. Yes, like a year for sure, you'll feel much better. But you could have three awesome months and then all of a sudden a major dip because your brain is literally rebuilding certain neuropathways. It's learning how to produce dopamine all over again because what Adderall does is it tells your brain to take a back seat. Hey, I got this. I'm going to produce serotonin and dopamine for you. Don't worry about it. So when you go off the medication, you have brain zaps, you have panic attacks, you feel super tired because your adrenal glands are completely fried. It totally disrupts your entire endocrine system. So all your endocrine hormones, like your hypothalamus, your pituitary, your thyroid, your, your adrenals, they all go under stress when you're on an amphetamine. So it was very difficult at first. Uh, The first time I tried to go off of it, I didn't tell anybody. And my number one suggestion for people is that you have a support system because this is not an easy road and you're going to need people to hold you accountable and people to talk to because no man is an island and you can't just have like one practitioner really leading you through it because the new guru is community. It's not just one person. It takes a village to really heal somebody. And I think that the fact that I shared my story helped me a lot because the first time around I would have things like panic attacks and crazy insomnia bouts where I would just cave and take the drug again. 
And then it wasn't until I made it public where I literally had to hold myself accountable. Otherwise, I felt I would be letting down thousands of people. So, and my family and my friends. So I would reach out to them every time I would have a hard time. But yeah, I mean, everything from like weight fluctuation, which didn't become that severe because it's really important to, to eat very clean when you're detoxing off any drug. Your gut's your second brain. We know that now. It's super trendy. Everybody's talking about the gut microbiome. And if your gut's full of shit, then your head's going to be full of shit and vice versa. So if your gut's inflamed, your brain's inflamed, your brain's inflamed, your gut's inflamed, and then you have this cyclical inflammation cycle where you just are looking for something to get out of it. So first and foremost, you have to eat clean, get a support system, and then the journey goes from there. But yeah, I would go three months in and then just be feeling terrible. It took about eight months for me to not think about the drug. So now I'm at the point where it's not even a thought process in my mind. Like I don't wake up going, oh, I feel groggy today. I wish I had an Adderall or, ooh, I don't want to go to this workout class. Wish I had an Adderall. That's how I lived my life for probably the first six months. Wow. That's insane. So what do you do now if you're feeling groggy? Like, do you drink coffee or do you have any kind of like replacements for for your energy? Yes. So I definitely still do caffeine, which is a stimulant within itself, but that's one drug at a time. Um, I know I love my coffee. I can't give it up. Like I just can't. (laughs) Yeah. It's honestly, caffeine is not the devil at all. Um, It's not a dirty word. It's totally okay to have caffeine. I just wouldn't overdo it on the caffeine. People that are taking like caffeine pills and like downing large coffees all day long. Yeah, that's unhealthy. But yeah, I really enjoy bulletproof coffee because it gives me a nice extended time release effect similar to that of an Adderall pill. Um, Mm -hmm. I use rhodiola and lion's mane for concentration a lot, L-theanine for my brain. Um, I I use 5-HTP sometimes when I'm feeling a little bit down. And it helps with any sort of cravings. And I meditate. So in the afternoon, I think naps are great, right? It, it, they can, they've proven to be more helpful than actually getting that eight to nine hours of sleep. But I am a person who really needs eight to nine hours of sleep. Often I can't get that. So if I can't get that, I will meditate for 20 minutes. And that meditation also helps to reset my system. We're not meant to focus for you know, 12 hours on end without a break, like the way these drugs are teaching us to behave. We're meant to have short periods of focus with, with clear break periods where we take a complete break and we're not working and we give our brain a chance to rest, relax, and use its imagination. Because if we don't do that, we end up frying ourselves. So it's important, like 25 minutes of work and taking five minutes of rest, that sort of cycle is a really healthy cycle for your brain and your body, and you'll be more productive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The meditation thing is massive. I notice such a big difference when I meditate and when I don't. <laughs> it's part of my morning routine, and obviously, you know, no one's perfect. I don't do it every single morning, but when I do, I definitely feel incredible. So yeah, that's great. And also, by the yeah. way, try it in the afternoon because it's like having a little espresso. <laughs> oh yeah. I should try that. I really should because I feel like I do kind of get a slump, um, even though the Bulletproof Coffee, because I have that as well, and I love it. Um, it is such an extended release of, of caffeine for me. Like I never get a crash. But yeah, I definitely need to try that out for sure. It's such a good tip. Um, 
So let's talk about eating because I know that you eat a similar diet um, that I do. And that's kind of like a lower carb, lower sugar, um, more of like a, like a keto. Do you do keto? Cause I don't like calling what I do keto because people can really, you know, read into that as in like, I eat cream cheese and like (laughs) meat all day. Um, what would, what would you describe your diet as? Yeah, I wouldn't call it keto. I mean, I use the hashtag quite commonly just so people can search and find some of my recipes, but because they are keto friendly. But I think that for weight loss, it's good to cycle keto, but you can't be keto all the time because your liver enzymes go up and then you really stress out your internal organs. I would call myself paleo low carb. So my diet is primarily... Um, when possible, wild-caught fish and grass-fed meat, uh, vegetables, and fats. I do not eat carbs very often, but I also have PCOS. So carbs and sugar definitely do not serve anybody with PCOS because it is an insulin resistance problem, and those things spike your insulin. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. So what does a normal day of eating look like for you? I'll wake up, and I'll typically make either a bulletproof coffee, I'll have a celery juice, and then I will wait about 30 minutes after my celery juice to have a bulletproof coffee. And the days that I don't do coffee, because I think it's important to cycle, I make uh, my PCOS smoothie, which is a bone broth protein in some almond milk with uh, one of my favorite green powders and a couple adaptogens like lion's mane, rhodiola, lacuna purines for, that's like really good for depression and mood things like that. And then a little stevia and ice because I don't do fruit typically. Not that fruit's bad for you. It's just that for me, fruit sugar does not work well with my particular system. Then around lunchtime, I'll have some sort of leafy greens with a salmon or steak or chicken or turkey. And I'll have it with apple cider vinegar, olive oil and sea salt, and maybe some kelp or dulse flakes, which are awesome for your thyroid health. And then for snack, I'll either have like some macadamia nuts or Brazil nuts, uh, maybe some mini cucumbers, some veggie crudite, maybe half an avocado. And then for dinner, I mean, usually I don't like to eat cold things for dinner. So I'll have maybe some sauteed spinach and asparagus and again, some sort of animal protein and fat. So it's always veggies, uh, animal protein and fat. And even when I go Mm -hmm. out. So you don't have dairy at all. I don't do dairy except for goat cheese and grass-fed butter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the best way to do it. I honestly think conventional dairy just like doesn't do good for anybody. No, cow's milk is for the cows because it's full of hormones. <laughs> we don't digest it very well. I don't see it work well on pretty much anyone. For me, it's not that I'm lactose intolerant. I literally don't eat cow's milk or cow's cheese because I get zits. It's a direct correlation. Like I get mucusy, I get pimples. Um, and then I see a lot of mucus in my bowel movements. I mean, TMI, but I'm sure there's a lot of other people out there that have this experience. So therefore I try and stay away from dairy for vanity and for my health. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. You know what I saw on your Instagram? You did the coffee enema. Can we talk about that for a second? I've never done one. I've gotten colonics a few times and I loved them. So like, what is it and how do you do it? Yeah. So, uh, 
I decided to do coffee enemas. I had a few girlfriends who have Lyme disease who were doing them and were raving about them. And then I would listen to a few biohackers, these men that I really enjoy following. And they do coffee enemas like every Wednesday. So I decided I wanted to try it. But funny enough, I had tried keto like full blast for a little too long. And what happened was my liver enzymes just shot way up and my liver was under so much stress as was my gallbladder. And coffee enemas are actually not designed to clean out your bowels. They're designed to detox your liver. It's one of the strongest liver detoxes you can do. So I decided along with my own practice of homeopathy and whole food supplements to help rebuild my liver and detox out the junk. I decided to incorporate coffee enemas and my liver enzymes went down like in a week. It was insane. And I did about three that in that one week and now I'm completely addicted. So a coffee enema is similar to a regular enema, but it's using coffee and you're using about six and a half cups to uh, three tablespoons of water. So I, uh, Sorry, three, sorry, six and a half cups of water to three tablespoons of coffee. And you want to use a mold-free, fungus-free coffee because if you put up any sort of like conventional Starbucks or whatnot, you're just putting pesticides and formaldehyde into your body. And then you lay down and yeah, you insert the coffee and you have to try and hold it. I mean, 12 minutes is optimal, but even if you get five minutes in, that's great. It's just that it goes literally straight to your liver and helps pull out the toxins and you feel energized and it's just really good for your health. Yeah. Amazing. I I definitely need to try it out. Is it like uncomfortable at all? Of course. Like, especially ideally you want to do it after you've already had a bowel movement, uh, maybe even after a colonic so that it's easier to hold so that there's not too much debris up there that you're trying to hold with it because it'll definitely make you go to the bathroom, but it can be a little bit crampy. So the whole point is just to lay down, really relax, maybe not be on your phone, concentrate on holding before you actually end up releasing. And I mean, cancer patients do it up to three times a day. It's, it, it really, really, really helps the immune system a lot. Oh, that is so cool. Wow. And can we do it with anything other than coffee or does it need to be that kind of stimulant coffee? Uh, there. So ideally you do it with an organic green coffee bean. That's the one that's really designed for colonic, but you can even use bulletproof coffee because it's fungus and mold free. Mm. And you can do enemas. I mean, with a lot of different things, you can do like a chlorophyll enema if you wanted things like that. I haven't played around with any of that. I've just done the coffee strictly because I was looking for a strong liver detox. So if there's anybody out there that is struggling with some sort of liver issues um, or autoimmune disorders, coffee enemas can be super helpful. Yeah, I definitely need to try that out. I'm I'm doing a bit of a liver cleanse and candida cleanse at the moment because I've had some gut issues the past few months, all related to hormone imbalance because of hormonal birth control, which I've recently gotten off of, which I'm so excited about because Great. it was hell. Congratulations. Thank you. I had the Armin plant for like six months. And before that I had an IUD and then I was on the pill for five years before that. And it was just like, I kept trying to make it work because it was just too good to be true. You know, like light periods, like don't need to use condoms, all that stuff. But it's just not for me. I can't like hormones. And I just actually recorded a whole podcast about this yesterday with, um, you know, a, a, uh, birth control specialist chick. And, uh, 
I'm going to be releasing that soon, but it's insane. Like it's my entire body has changed. Have you, have you ever done the hormones and like, what was your experience on that? I mean, I did birth control when I was probably 17, but it literally made me insane. So I never touched it again. (laughs) And then when I was diagnosed with PCOS, if there's anybody with PCOS out there, don't let the doctor convince you that birth control is the way to go because it is not the way to go. I have a whole blog post on IUDs, birth controls, all these different types of methods that are just so toxic for the body. I mean, it's time for men to start controlling themselves rather than the women. (laughs) So, I mean, I'm all for the daisy tracker, the fertility monitor, because people are like, well, if I'm not- Yeah, I'm going to buy that. Yeah. And non-toxic condoms. It's really important to do non-toxic because that latex and uh, the chemicals that are used on the latex can be super irritating for our reproductive organs. Hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm so happy. I'm now like telling everybody about like the the dangers of having synthetic hormones in your body and everything. And I'm like obsessed because my health has like literally completely done a 180 since I got off of the hormones like 10 days ago. It was 10 days ago. I it was very recent, and like my digestive issues have also like settled down, and like it's insane. Like. My, my whole body feels different, like everything. Even my boyfriend was like, you feel different down there. Like it's just like the biggest change ever. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just important to not put these synthetic things in our bodies because our bodies are designed to perform a certain way. And even if they're not performing in that way, putting a Band-Aid on it isn't going to do anything. We need to heal the underlying cause. Mm-hmm, absolutely, 100%. Um, so <clears throat> let's talk about like supplements because I've seen that you take some supplements and so do I. Do you think we need to be taking a magnesium supplement every night? Like what do, what's your theory on these pills? Okay, so supplements can be tricky. Um, here's the thing. I think with probiotics, probiotics are super important, but we also sometimes overdo probiotics because we're now eating probiotic foods and probiotic drinks and probiotic supplements. And it's, our body doesn't need that many probiotics. Um, sometimes I see certain probiotics irritating clients of mine, like they'll get rashes on their eyes or they'll break out because the probiotic contains something that their body is reacting to. So really, it's really important to read the ingredients on supplements first and foremost. Um, see what's, what the other ingredients are. If there's like a lot of like rice hulls, rice concentrate. If you're having sensitivities to rice, maybe that's the wrong supplement for you. But I think it is important to supplement our diets. My whole entire practice is based on supplements. But unfortunately, mm. it's hard because I am testing people in person. So I'm designing specific supplement programs for them. So with my phone clients, what I do is I recommend the supplements that I know are tried and true. And if they aren't working for them, then we'll switch them on to something else. But it's really important to guess what the right supplement is by by trial and error if you don't have somebody to literally test the supplements on you. We, unfortunately, our diets are not completely perfect, right? We try to eat organic when we can, but even if we were to eat every single thing organic in the most perfect meals, at least in the US, I'm not sure about Canada, but our soil is incredibly uh, nutrient deficient. And because of that, we're just not getting all the nutrients that we need. 
So sometimes our body needs a little bit of help in the form of whole food supplements is first and foremost for me, the more, the closer they are to food, the more likely they are to work. A lot of synthetic vitamins that we see on the shelves at whole foods and whatnot, we typically just pee out because our body's not utilizing them that the way that they should, because it's not recognizing it as food. It's like Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine. But since our food is not the best, we have to supplement. And I think magnesium can be super helpful, for example, for people who have muscle tension or trouble sleeping or hard bowel movements and need to loosen them up. It's all about listening to your body. I wouldn't go crazy on Instagram and online and go, oh my God, maybe I need to take this supplement. Don't just start putting things into your diet because you think it's going to help with something first deal with like the issues that you have and the symptoms you're experiencing. And then you can go from there. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about your nutrition response testing. Is that what it's called? Yes. So how does that work? and, And how do you do it? So it's, it's very difficult to explain, uh, if you haven't actually experienced it, but I, one of my clients, funny enough was like, you're like the body clairvoyant. So what happens is, is your body tells me what it wants to handle. So I test the autonomic nervous system first and foremost. I test to make sure that your system is operating correctly, that your parasympathetic and your sympathetic nervous system are balanced. Once I do that, I test all the organs in the body. And by testing all the organs in the body, I find out which are the weakest organs. Then I dig deeper to find the priority organs. So I never look at the symptoms or treat the symptoms. I look for the underlying cause. So once I find that one organ, I find out what's irritating it. Is it a heavy metal? Is it a toxic chemical? Is it a food allergy? Is it a virus, bacteria, fungus, parasite, you name it. Once I find out what's irritating that organ, I then use whole food supplements and homeopathies to help restore that organ, whether we need to detox it or help rebuild rebuild the organ itself. And then it sort of acts as a domino effect. So then we work from there and we go one organ at a time throughout the body. Because when you live so years and you get injected with vaccines and you've taken antibiotics and you've been drinking and eating processed food and all these things, even just waking up every day to the amount of Wi-Fi we're surrounded with in radiation, our body is in a battle zone 24 hours a day. So it's all about helping rebuild the body, balance the system, and then further protect it. Hmm. Yeah, it's so true. I didn't even think about that. All the Wi-Fi and signals, especially living in a city, I, I'm sure it like wreaks havoc on our bodies. Oh, 100%. Those EMF waves are just, I mean, fertility rates are, in, sorry, infertility rates are increasing. Um, you know, we're living longer, but we're living sicker with the advancement of technology. That's so sad. So like, does this kind of response testing really kind of cure it or does it just make it better? Like, is this kind of like, like if I had a liver problem, um, how long would it kind of take to, uh, to help it if we did, you know, uh, this response testing? Well, it really depends on the damage to your liver. If it's just slight irritation, if it's just a sluggish liver, do you have hepatitis? Is it liver cirrhosis? You know what I mean? There's like a whole, Mm. there's, on a scale of one to 10, where does your liver stand? And that's how we test. Mm. We test the organs mm-hmm. on a scale of one to 10. How strong is it? Is it at five? Is it at six? Is it seven? Um, and then that determines how long it's going to take. Also, it determines on how fast your body receives these things. Sometimes the body is so blocked 
it's so stuffed up with toxins that it takes a little bit longer to heal because it has to break through a certain amount of barriers before we can really get to the root issue. Mm, absolutely. So do you have a lot of clients coming to you for weight loss tips and, and advice for that? I do have a fair amount of weight loss people, uh, more so via phone, and that's just some diet tweaks. <clears throat> My in-person clients, here's the funny thing. They all think that they're gaining weight, but they're not. They're swollen. And they come to me swollen because their body is holding on to immune challenges, toxins, things that their body's reacting to. So it's just one giant form of inflammation, basically. They could be working out, but I tell them it's not fat. I can tell the difference between fat and poor lymph drainage and just swelling. And there's a lot of swollen people walking around because they're just not draining all of these toxins that we're consistently exposed to. So once they start to drain, they just naturally lose weight without changing much. I mean, of course, we make some diet tweaks here and there, but I'm all about a living a lifestyle, not necessarily following a diet. You know, I like to go out. I like to travel. I like to live my life and not be completely crazed about it, but I'm able to do it and remain the same and feel good in my body. So that's what I teach people to do. Mm, absolutely. So let's just say you have a client that comes in and, and she doesn't know where to start. She's kind of eaten in an average American diet her entire life, which obviously is, you know, the sad diet, standard American diet. And she wants to get really healthy and wants to lose weight. What kind of program would you put her on? So I start by educating her on fundamental diet guidelines, basically traditional foods, just foods that whatever you can gather, hunt, pick, grow, those are what should be on your plate, not something that was manufactured by man or a factory. Mm -hmm. And I start there. And then I start to introduce them to the fact that it's important to eat three meals a day. Even if you're not a breakfast person, then have a little something, a shake, a bulletproof coffee, something that goes into your system. And I teach them about water intake, bowel movements, things like that. So we start slow. And then what I do is I work on a gradient scale. So with each week, we keep a food journal. The food journal act asks for literally everything that goes into your system, breakfast, lunch, snack, water, other beverages, it asks for your bowel movements. It asks for your sleep patterns. It asks for your symptoms. Are you bloated? Are you gassy? Do you have a headache? And then every week we start to tweak and we work on process of elimination. And anything that I take out, I replace with something else. So I had this wonderful client in Butler, Alabama. She's from a very small town. The nearest Whole Foods is like two hours away from her. And she came to me on a fast food diet. I've never seen somebody work harder or change faster than this amazing woman. And it was all about just learning how to eat whole foods. So rather than eating a bag of potato chips, she ate a sweet potato and some sauteed greens. And then once she started to detox, her body started to crave these healthy foods. So now she travels, she goes everywhere, and she feels great in her body because she doesn't feel deprived. And she knows how to replace and she knows how to pick. I also walk clients through menus. So if they're going to a restaurant... Let's go over the menu together. Let's see what you can actually eat on the menu so that you don't feel overwhelmed or deprived when you go to sit down to dinner with your friends. Mm, yeah, that's so smart because it is a lot easier than you think at restaurants to order a healthy meal. But you know what I sometimes struggle with? 
the snacking thing. Like if I'm not prepared and I don't have my my meals like ready for me when I'm hungry and I'm in a situation where I'm not at a restaurant and I can't order a meal, like I find it really difficult. You know, you can't go into a convenience store and really find something healthy to eat. Oh yeah, that part is very hard. So always with traveling, we snack prep to make sure that we have snacks on hand. And then, you know, if you're stuck on a road trip going into convenience store, it's always important to like, you can grab some nuts, but just make sure they're unroasted, unsalted, unless it's like sea salt. You don't want to have it with peanut oil or anything like that. You just try to find the cleanest version of what you would normally eat. So like Mm. I'll snack on a handful of some raw nuts if I find them at a convenience store. A lot of convenience stores now are selling really high-grade jerkies, which are great because I just did a road trip in like the middle of nowhere in the U.S. And the fact that I could find grass-fed jerky at these places and some of them were like soy-free, if that's in America, then I'm sure we can find it other places as well. Mm-hmm. So I actually used to be vegetarian for ages um, when I was younger. And I now feel really good when I eat good quality meat. So for the past few years, I've been, you know, bringing back in like the organic chicken and I eat, you know, organic eggs and, um, you know, a lot of wild caught fish. And I really want to start eating high quality red meat again. And I've had cravings for it, but I feel like so out of my comfort zone going that extra mile and actually buying it and cooking it. And I just don't know what to do because I feel like my body is actually craving it sometimes. What would you, what what kind of advice would you have for me? Because I literally don't know what to do. I would just start, start small. I would Sorry, some of the incoming call. Okay, decline. It's okay. <laughs> um, um, I would just start small. So I would, it, even if it's just like a bite, sometimes it's easier in a burger form, making a burger patty. The texture is just a little bit easier to get through for people that aren't used to eating red meat. And I would just start with like one bite and chew it really well and put some sea mm. salt on it, some olive oil, but if your body's craving it, the body doesn't lie. The body's craving sugar or carbs, that's inflammation. But if your body- What if I'm craving cheese? (laughs) So this is the funny thing with cheese though. So cheese activates the same uh, centers in your brain that opioids do. Because the actual um, cheese protein doesn't completely break down. So what it does is just it's like chocolate. So a lot of people are cheese addicts and there's chocolate addicts. So if I were to inject, um, I think it's called methadone, but it's the, it's the heroin antidote to get people to stop craving heroin. If I put that into a cheese addict, they would stop craving cheese because it activates the same centers of the brain. Wow. That's the funny thing about cheese and cheese addicts that can't stop. Well, I think I need some of that. I don't know where to find it, but I need some of that. (laughs) Cut it out like anything else, like 21 days, and then you stop craving it. Mm -hmm. So you could stop eating cheese and just replace with like goat or sheep's cheese, which is closer to our human DNA. So we're, we're, it's, it's easy for us to break it down rather than cow's milk cheese. If you could just do that for 20 days, you wouldn't crave it anymore. Mm, absolutely. So let's go back to the red meat quickly. So you, you would just like, I, I know quality is everything and I would never, ever, ever eat like conventional meat um, just because it really like grosses me out and I don't even see it as real food. But like, 
because I'm a big cook. I like to cook and I would want to cook it myself. So I make sure it's like the best quality and everything. So you'd start with like, you know, a burger or like maybe like a kale burger or something like, so you wrap it in the kale leaves instead of, instead of a bun. Yeah, no, of course, like a lettuce wrap burger, or I would do just like a small piece, just start with one bite and then see how you feel. You don't have to like take down a whole steak. I think we just tend to overwhelm ourselves. Yeah, no, absolutely. I totally agree with that. What do you say to like those controversial, you know, health experts that think that meat is just the devil and it's really, really bad for you? Well, it's funny because there's also health experts that think being vegan is really, really bad for you. So there's two sides of the coin here. I think that yes, farm raised, farm produced meat is bad. It's bad for our water supply. It's bad for the environment and it's bad for our bodies, but grass-fed, humanely raised, nose-to-tail animals that are completely utilized, um, I don't believe there's anything wrong with it. And I honestly, just from my own personal experience, my sickest clients are my vegans. And I rarely see that vegan does well for anyone. And I usually convince every single one of my clients to at least incorporate eggs, or I have them start with a scallop because a scallop has no central nervous system. So they're not hurting it if it's for ethical reasons. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the vegans, they're missing so many key nutrients. And where are they getting their nutrients from? Things like beans. I'm sorry, unless you're soaking and sprouting every single one of your beans, they're, they're so inflammatory. So it's just a high inflammation diet, I find. It's a lot of processed foods, things like seitan and tempeh and tofu, all things that are highly processed. We need to be eating things that mother nature has given us. Mm, Absolutely. Do you think it's bad to eat a lot of meat? Like, would you cut it down? Yeah, I wouldn't be eating meat all day, every day. I would just, all we really need is the size and the thickness of the palm of our hand twice a day worth of protein. So, you know, whether it's grass fed meat or organic hormone free chicken or turkey or wild-caught salmon or wild-caught tuna, that type of thing. It's just important to switch up your proteins. Of course, I wouldn't eat so much red meat all the time, but I think it is important for some people. And some people don't do well with meat. Some people are are of the blood type A, and they have like A parents, and they're, they're such a long lineage of A blood types that they don't break down meat as well. Then do fish. Mm. But yeah, we get absolutely. those omegas and we get those certain nutrients that we don't get in fake meats. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fake meat is gross. Like I have friends that are vegan and they just, you know, spend all day eating like vegan pizza and like vegan burgers and vegan meat. And it's just like, it's so bad for you. It's so processed and the soy and just, there's so much in it. It's so bad for you. And I find that a lot of my vegans, they tend to crave red meat around their periods because it's important. We, mm-hmm. Our body wants that iron. It's like, please give me food. I need nutrients. Listen to your body. Don't deprive mm-hmm. it. Just listen to your body. I mean, I love animals, but unfortunately I love me more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you eat liver too, don't you? I do. It's uh, really high in folic acid. It's amazing for women's brain health. It's a really high source of vitamin A. It's excellent for fertility. It's honestly a superfood. 
So you eat it with, because I saw this on your Insta stories. I sound like your stalker right now. I'm like, oh, I saw this on your Instagram. I saw this on your Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> um, you um, you mix it in with ground beef, don't you? And then you you make the ground beef just like normal. Yeah. So I found this awesome place at the farmer's market um, here in Los Angeles, and they do a beef liver blend. So it's it's more palatable for those who are just beginning to eat liver. And you can make it at home, the own, your own blend, but this is all grass-fed, grass-finished meat. So she makes this blend and I make them into little meatballs using garlic and onion and celery and all these yummy spices. And they're honestly so delicious and so good for me. And they're so high in iron that I can't eat it all the time because then your iron levels kind of shoot up past the uh, range that you want them at because you can almost taste it because it's honestly, it's, it's so nutrient dense that it's super healing for those who really need it, but I wouldn't eat it, you know, all the time, but it's an excellent way to incorporate liver into your diet. Mm -hmm. I've heard it's amazing. What do you think about liver supplements? Because, you know, I was actually looking into that as well, like getting a really high quality liver pill, or do you think it's way better just like the a kind of real, real deal. No, supplements are great. Liver, grass-fed liver supplements or grass-fed bone marrow supplements are excellent. I have a lot of vegans on them too. Um, they're excellent for brain health. One of my favorite natural Xanax options is all it is is liver. Mm. Yeah. And it helps so cool. the brain down and basically rebuild certain neuropathways and then parts of the brain that are misfiring, it helps feed that area of the brain with nutrition to go, oh, this isn't such a panicky situation. I can be calm in this situation. And it's liver. It's Yeah. Crazy. That is so crazy. Wow. I've learned so much today. I actually feel way better with the, the thought of me eating a little bit of good quality red meat now. Um, I might go find some for dinner. Yes, <laughs> Thank you so much, Vanessa. This is such a fun podcast. And I honestly learned so much. I think the listeners are going to learn so much as well. Um, I have one last question for you that I like to ask a lot of my guests. Uh, I like morning routines. It's like my thing. I love talking about them. And I love to hear about other people's. So let's say that you've woken up on the wrong side of the bed one morning what do you do that ensures you'll bounce back and have an amazing day? I keep a journal next to my bed. So I, especially on the mornings that I am, I wake up on the wrong side of the bed, it's usually, it could be a dream that triggered it, or it could be looking at my phone. So I've made now, it's a habit where I've stopped looking at my phone. My phone remains on airplane mode until I've actually sat up in my bed and meditated even for 10 minutes if I need but I always use the journal and I write down what it is I'm feeling. When you get it out and on paper, it gives you perspective on your life and on how you're feeling. Because if we keep them bottled up, it sort of heightens the intensity of that feeling. So I'll write out, what is it that's upsetting me? Like, is this important? And is it going to kill me? And then usually after I'm done writing it out, it just sort of leaves my system and I don't feel upset anymore. Mm, that's amazing. I love that so much. And I definitely do the same. I love to write when there's something in my mind. It's it's so powerful. Yeah, because if you keep it in your amazing. mind, you become obsessed. So it's important to get it out there because you get you gain perspective and clarity. 
Yeah. And it just like, you don't release it if it's just sitting in your head all day. You want to just like write it down, release it and get over it. Exactly. So where can our listeners find you? They can find me at vshoney.com, V-E-E-S-H-O-N-E-Y.com and at vshoney on Instagram. Amazing. Thank you so much, Vanessa. My pleasure, Amy. Thank you for having me on.